If you enjoy listening to this podcast, we ask you to consider supporting it by making a one-time or reoccurring donation. Visit Mayflower's website at www.mayflowerucc.org and click on the Donate tab in the menu. Donations made to Mayflower's Communications Fund are tax-deductible and help ensure this podcast is available. Thank you for your support. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City by the Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, senior minister at one of America's premier liberal Protestant pulpits. At Mayflower, we are an open and affirming peace and justice church where we believe religion should be biblically responsible, intellectually honest, emotionally satisfying, and socially significant. We go now to the pulpit of Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City and to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie. On this fourth Sunday of Advent here at Mayflower, no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. This morning, we continue our journey into Advent while also basically starting our Christmas extravaganza right now. But this whole liturgical season, we have been looking for ways to cultivate hope, peace, joy, and love. And as we continue through this season, our theme comes from a line from Mary's song of protest and praise. Surely, from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for God has done great things for me, and holy is God's name. God's mercy is for those who fear God from generation to generation. From generation to generation, that phrase reminds us of the ways that our lives, histories, actions, and stories are woven together. The work of God is always unfolding in us and through us. I'd like to invite all our kindergarten through fifth graders to join me up here on the chancel for a story. Come on up. Oh, I'm so glad to see everyone. Hi. Well, I'm going to use almost everything in here in this basket. Okay, are we ready for this story? This story is called The Unicorn at the manger. Right. You were probably unaware that the stable behind the Bethlehem Inn was completely controlled by the cow. She was the bossiest of the beast. She loved order and reason and everything to be in its place. Imagination and noise were not allowed in the stable. Indeed. The donkey had to go to the far pasture if he was to bray. The resident rooster had to ask permission to crow. The pig was requested to dust off his behind before he came in the barn. All the stable's inhabitants 
always did what the cow told them to do. So you can imagine the cow's crankiness when the streets of Bethlehem began to fill up with all these people and crowds. It made the animals very nervous. The air was full of chaos. To everyone's shock, the innkeeper, without consulting the cow at all, brought in a tired and nervous-looking man and a very, very tired-looking woman who appeared to be ready to have a baby at any minute. The innkeeper then, without asking the cow's permission, assured the couple that they could spend the night in the stable, right? The cow was very annoyed, not amused at all. But then she heard the woman give out a loud moan. And the cow, having birthed six calves herself, knew that the baby was going to arrive that very minute. And indeed, after very, very, very hard work on the part of the woman, a tiny cry. And the, even the man said, the baby's here, the baby's here. And all of the animals were very excited, so excited that even the cow moved closer to see the baby. And a great star, just at that moment, beamed through the ventilation hole in the stable and shined on the couple. Let me get rid of the innkeeper. And the baby was wrapped in swaddling clothes and his parents had put him in the manger. Before the cow could shoo them away, some very curious shepherds began peeking in and moving closer as if they wanted to see the child. And the cow was not pleased with this, but since they were already there, nudged them closer around the manger. Behind the scene, she managed the donkey closer and the rooster closer and the pig closer, and she put herself right in the middle. Perfect order, perfect balance. They would look so beautiful on the Christmas cards. And then she heard it. A clippity-clop down the cobblestone streets of Bethlehem. A unicorn running towards the stable in the starlight. A unicorn? A unicorn. A unicorn. The fatigue of the day. The fatigue of the day had made the cow even more cranky than usual. And so, in spite of herself, she shouted, unicorn there's no room for the manger for you at the manger for you and her shouting but there was. you are really right Maylee her shouting though woke the baby and he started screaming and even though everyone could see that the baby was very holy he just kept screaming. Nothing the mother did would quiet him. The cow was beside herself. Not only was the baby screaming, the unicorn kept coming closer, ignoring her command. 
the unicorn trotted towards the stable door and pushed her way through the shepherds and completely disarranged everything that had been so nicely arranged by the cow. But at that moment, the starlight struck the unicorn's horn and the ceiling of the stable exploded with reflected diamonds, there we go, reflected diamonds of light catching the attention of the baby. His eyes followed the cascades of light playing across the cedar beams and doves in the rafters began to coo and so did the baby. For the first time in her life, the cow did not know what to say. The unicorn had brought peace. And what if the cow had kept the unicorn out? The cow knew that from now on, she would welcome everyone. She caught the unicorn's eye. It is a disco ball. <laughs> and she caught the unicorn's eye and nudged her head towards the manger and the unicorn moved closer. And the unicorn didn't even mind when the cow came over and nudged her a little to the left for symmetry's sake. <laughs> Friends, the Christmas story is trying to tell us about Jesus and how he was the light of the world and how he reflected God's love on everyone, just like the unicorn's horn. We, too, are called to be the light of the world and to reflect God's love. So I have a reminder for all of you to take home with you. Let's see if we can't pass these out. Everyone gets a disco ball. <laughs> Ellie, can you hand some to, the, to Lee? And there we go. Does everyone have one? Okay, everybody hold them up. Everyone hold, oh, here you go, Maylee. Everybody hold them up, and now we're going to pray. Here, we'll put them all in the center. I'll shine the light on them. Exactly. All right, let's pray. Are you ready? Dear God, when someone is on the outside, help us to notice and to make room. It is our job to welcome everyone classmates and friends and strangers and unicorns even. Help us reflect your love so that it shines on everyone and the world becomes brighter. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, you can go find your seat now. My heart and I have an agreement. Every year we show up here, here in the sanctuary, here with the candles and the tall ceilings, here with the creaky church pews and the songs of silent night. My heart and I have an agreement. Every year we show up here, at the end of the year, after another 12 months of humanity, of us trying to keep it all together, trying to keep our heads above water, trying to keep up appearances. Every year we show up here, we drop it all.
We leave it at the door. We come into this space, and I could swear it feels different. Maybe it's God. Maybe it's hope. Maybe it's love. But whatever it is, we seek it every year. So we show up here. Maybe our hearts need it. Let's bow our heads together. The opening line of the Christmas hymn is a little bit intimidating, Holy One. O come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. We are concerned we won't make the cut. What is the threshold for being considered faithful? What is the minimum level of joyful for it to count? Does our record have to be above 500 for us to be triumphant? We are worried that it's all or nothing. But scripture tells us that isn't true. Every character in the Christmas story seems to remind us that we can be many things and still be faithful. We see it in Zechariah, in Elizabeth, in Mary, and in Joseph, who were scared and faithful, tired and faithful, uncertain and faithful, searching for answers and faithful. Grant us the grace to never sell ourselves short, Holy One, so that we might answer your call to meet the needs of the world. Help us to gather up our worry, our weariness, and whatever else we are carrying, and be faithful, just like the Bible tells our, us our ancestors were. We pray in the name of Jesus, who needed all of the faithful to get him here. Amen. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the gospel according to Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David, called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in the manger because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was, an angel, there, were, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. 
When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Here ends the reading from our tradition. May God grant to us wisdom and courage for interpretation. This is a freebie from your friendly neighborhood pastorina. Jesus isn't the reason for the season. That's going in the paper next Sunday. I'm a little nervous. <laughs> but if you are offended or think this is heretical, complaints can be submitted to the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mark and John spill zero ink on Jesus' birth. He first appears in their Gospels as an adult seeking baptism. Matthew and Luke contradict each other in almost every way in their retellings, except that they both hardly give the child's birth a whole line in either of their stories. Instead, they tell us all about the people who the church has designated as supporting caste. Joseph is the focus of the birth narrative in Matthew, you remember from last week, the instigator of the action, the one who rejects social norms to keep Mary from being stoned for being an unwed mother, and the one who names Jesus. The Magi are also key in Matthew, who highlights their civil disobedience against Herod instead of giving us details about young Jesus. And then the focus goes right back to Joseph and the difficult decision to migrate with his family in an occupied land. Luke also seems to care very little for the Christ child. The story is all about the uncertainty of Joseph, the hospitality of Elizabeth, the courage of Mary. It takes 86 verses for Luke to get to the appearance of the baby. And even then, he gives the infant one line. She gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in the manger because there was no room in the inn. And then Luke goes right back to talking about everyone else. The joyful angel of the Lord and the heavenly host appearing to scare the daylights out of the shepherds who indeed go and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. And they do find the baby. But Luke does not take this opportunity to give us any more details about the child, certainly nothing about no crying he makes. We made that up. Which certainly leaves some wiggle room for a unicorn. The story, as you heard, 
doesn't seem to be about a magic baby at all. According to Matthew and Luke, we should be paying attention to the holy mess around the baby, the folks who believed it was their responsibility to give their best to someone else's child. Between Matthew and Luke, the characters are an incredibly random assortment. Wise elders, impoverished shepherds, young parents, older couples, complete strangers, and chosen family who managed to bring the possibility of salvation to the world. Our sacred stories tell us that God drew together a holy lineage of risk-takers and truth-tellers who chose each other in the midst of danger, who turned towards love, and who practiced courage. As we step into our Christmas celebrations, let us remember that God is drawing us together too, calling us to bring the possibility of salvation into the world, to be risk-takers and truth-tellers, to choose each other in the midst of danger, to turn towards love, and to practice courage. As St. Augustine wrote, without God, we cannot. Without us, God will not. Merry Christmas, church. Merry Christmas. You've been listening to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, Senior Minister at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City. More information about the church can be found at www.mayflowerucc.org or by visiting Mayflower's Facebook page. Worship services are every Sunday at 10 a.m. with Sunday school classes for all ages at 9 a.m. Mayflower is located on Northwest 63rd Street in Oklahoma City, one block west of Portland. Thank you for listening.